It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. The podcast that's older than Heart's new manager. This week on Heart and Hand, the silence of the sheep continues. And I know we've done this joke before, but it still continues since 1991. Podcast. My name is David Edgar. I'm your host, and I'm joined this week by the always exciting Mr. Cameron James Bell. David, my friend, how are you? I am not as good as you, I hope, given your big momentous news, Cameron. Yes, yes, indeed. The operation is finally paid off. I can now fully 100% call myself a male. No, well, you can fully call yourself a male because you're finally, um, finally given in and uh, you've proposed to a lady. Well, you call her a lady, David. I would call her something else. But yes, the love of my life. I, I've snared her, idiot. She should never have said yes, but no, she did. No. Um, Cammy, despite looking like someone has blown up two balloons to bursting point, glued them together, covered them in glue, and kicked them through a Primark, somehow always manages to land stunningly beautiful women. And he's done it again, and this one he's trapped. So, I mean, fair play to you, mate. I've no idea how you do it. See, to be fair, it was just a total accident. I actually found the ring as we were walking along and I bent over to pick up and then looked at her to ask, is this is this yours? And then obviously she took the total wrong impression. And to be honest with you, David, I've went down a road now, I just can't reverse back up. No, so uh, That was my first one. But uh, <laughs> at least I'm safe to know that she definitely won't listen to this. So. Well, the funny thing is she's listening in the next room right now, so I, I can guarantee that this will probably be the last thing you hear from me. All right, okay. Well, <laughs> please don't end up with Scott. I've got a window to do the, the pod between 11.30 and midnight on the 34th for fuck's sake. You know, don't, don't yeah, exactly. Don't do, like do it two in the morning and all that. Aye, exactly. Don't don't end up like that. Uh, don't end up trapped like he was. Now, uh, up and down performances, or down and up is probably more accurate since last uh, 
we came in people's ears. We went to Tynecastle, not really full of hope, um, on the podcast the last time, Scott and I, and <clears throat> it was a shambles. I mean, there, there's no hiding from that. That was possibly the worst po- performance of the Warburton Rain. Well, um, just before we actually get into the, the details of the game, I'd like to do a big shout-out to Rangers TV and, uh, and thank them for the fact that I was uh, in another continent and did a one-off subscription to watch the Hearts game only to find that uh, it doesn't, um, or it's not, I should say, is not supported on iPads or iPhones. And no one has an iPad or an iPhone. Uh, so I'm really glad I paid six quid to basically have to watch it on a betting site. Yeah, um, uh, not even not even a video, just like basically like you know the the update thing, the screen that goes back and forth and stuff. Yeah. Watch it on that, uh, and I'll never see that six quid again. But in fairness, though, that was probably the second worst thing that happened to me. Like, yeah, the the actual worst was just how how easily we capitulated. Yeah, you're fairly lucky um, in that regard because I am fortunate to watch the whole thing. Uh, it was just awful. Nothing at all clicked. We were out for outrun, outworked, outthought. Every single area of the pitch was failure, and we would sit and normally. I would I would lambast and and say what we got wrong. What I will say is before we moved on to the Aberdeen game because we needed a reaction and we got one, and we will give praise for that. But what I do have to mention is in Warburton's time with us now, every big away match, I I I would maintain that the three um, big away matches in this division are Celtic, Aberdeen, and Hearts given, you know, that the United Nibs aren't here. And last season was Hibs and Falkirk. That's seven and seven defeats. So not even no wins, but seven defeats. That's an awful record, Cammy. And I'm you know, until it gets broken, people have every right to say, well, is it a psychological thing? Well that that's exactly what I was gonna say was that the problem with this is it almost feels a little bit like we're beaten before a ball's kicked. And it's not um there's very little confidence to be able to try and go into some of these big games. I know we'd spoken previously about the fact that we had quite a bit of a tight run at this time of year. Um, and then we started talking about, you know, how many points would be acceptable. And, good. and then at this stage, it just kind of just bewilders me about why do we go into it with such negativity? Because as you saw, and, and, and as you alluded to, we came back from it, we bounced back um, with, the, with the result against Aberdeen. However, I don't understand as to why we put ourselves into such a lull we are, I mean, we, 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 we truly missed the battle fever, I suppose, is, is, is probably the best analogy I can use for it. Um, because we just, we approach it so negatively. Um, probably just as a team, as a support, I just, I, I, I don't like it at all. I wish, I wish that would be the one thing that we could address. I'm going to sound like a broken record here, but the system I don't think works particularly well in this league, in this division. I don't think we've got the players to play it. It's not universal to us, I think, at the moment on a completely different level, but a similar problem is happening with Man City, that he's asking guys to do stuff that they simply can't do. And just because you want them to do it doesn't give them the ability to do it. So saying, well, this is my philosophy, yes, but these are his limitations. And what is abundantly clear, there's now so much evidence for it and none against it, is that this system does not work in away matches, where the atmosphere, in big away matches, where the atmosphere is totally different, where the expectation level is different, when the other teams are fired up because it's us, we cannot go in continually with the same system. It's becoming like General Melchett and Blackadder, you know, doing exactly what we've done the last 17 times is bound to work this time because it's the last thing they'll expect. Well, 
I think they've all got it sussed. The only one of the, well, there was two of those seven where you went, we were really unlucky in my opinion, and that was Falkirk. Well, we weren't unlucky. We played brilliantly for 70 minutes, but you can't be unlucky when you chuck away a, a two-goal lead the way we did. And this season, absolutely Aberdeen, where we were the better side. But it's it's not an accident. It's now, it's not an, an anomaly. And it's becoming a big issue because, as I say, these are the three big matches that we will have out, out with Ibrox this season. No disrespect to the other eight, but the traditional big rivalries that you have, be it, you know, a Hibs and a Dundee United added to it, they're not there. So we can't generate the same level of antipathy and the same level of hostility to a Ross County or whatever. You just don't have the historical baggage to do that. And I wouldn't be confident of us going to any of these grounds. Take anyone on at home. And our home record is good and Mark Robertson deserves credit for that. But away from home, teams know they can get at us. I think our players think they can get at us. And we continually lose the first goal. And when we lose the first goal, we struggle very badly to get back into it. And against Hearts, they looked like a beaten side. Uh, very unlucky with the, with the decision that that was given for Dodo's goal. But that wasn't the reason why we lost that match. Hearts were the deserved winners. And uh, it was it was just an awful, awful display. So, so it was... Uh, I, I suppose the other thing that I would add into your, um, into your away matches is the Scottish Cup final. Um, mm. As well, where watching that, it just felt to me as the kind of game progressed, and I know that we were talking to each other during it at the time. Was um, I, I still can't believe that that was was thrown away just so, just so needlessly, if that made sense. Yeah, yeah, it does. Because there was just mistakes, and it was made, it, and it was just it was just put. But then, I mean, as you've already said, you could take a number of away games, the big important away games, and we've, we've done exactly the same thing. Um, I think. There's a little bit more intricacy in terms of what you're talking about because, yes, you could turn around and say that our home form's really good. However, I could also turn around and say to you, potentially Aberdeen could have got a point on Saturday. And I think that when you're then saying, well, Aberdeen haven't beaten us, you know, since 1991 at Ibrox, that was the main thing I think a lot of our support focused on uh, rather than the fact that we needed to get three points after performing so badly away to Tynecastle. Um, but then there's equal an expectancy that when you have Ross County at home, you should expect to beat them. Yeah, and that'll never and, change. And apart from a Harry Forrester backward header uh, and probably some sweating that we had to do towards the final whistle on Saturday, that, that home record could look quite differently. I'll be honest with you, and, and, and this is going to probably get people reaching for the razor blades, I expect it will look differently once Celtic come. Um, however... I think at this point in time, going back to the system, the excuse for Guardiola and Guardiola's comparison doesn't run for me because he had that period last season. And if he had a system set in place, he should have bought players that would have fitted into that system. And Gardner doesn't. This is Warburton, you mean, not, not Guardiola? This is, this is, Warburton. Yes, is Warburton. The thing is, in your comparison with Guardiola, Guardiola's just started. Warburton's already had a year at this now. Yeah. And he's also had Fair he's point. also had you know more than one signing window within which, having established a system, he should have bought players so he could have fitted into that. Garner doesn't. No, I don't really know if a Halloran does. I'm not overly convinced if he does or not. Um, but again, I totally agree with you. He does need to be able to try and change it. Um, it's not a bad thing to say you don't know. So see if the system's not working, we'd all forgive him if it was a case that he wanted to change it. 
and maybe had to trial it a couple of times to be able to try and get it right. We would accept that more than being stubborn and sticking still with losing, it. Yeah. And still losing or drawing, and this is going to sound really bad, but barely winning. Yeah. I think he deserves a bit of credit for Saturday and I'm happy to give it because, you know, like Mark Warburton, we all do. It'll never be a, a dislike of the man personally. I think he's very classy and, and we all like him. But I think on Saturday there were changes. We Aberdeen really pressed us in the opening 10 minutes, but then we, we, we started to hit it long and I never thought I'd be praising that, but not stupidly. It wasn't just, well, we'll lump it. But we changed it up a little bit. He changed up the team selection by uh, dropping Tavernier to the bench, which he had to do because Tavernier was woeful. The problem is, is you can't have a guy who ball watches defensively so often. He is a poor defender and you can... He does have attributes. I like Tavernier, but defensively he's as poor a fullback as you'll see. And he brought in Hodson, who's unspectacular but solid. And of course, Sodslaw scores a goal. But uh, I, I just thought that the performance was grittier. I thought that the system allowed that. And I thought that, you know, after being pilloried by, by me, among others, for not making changes, we should recognise that there were changes, even if they were subtle ones, even if they weren't as, you know, definitive as, oh, we're playing 3-5-2 or whatever. There were small changes that... I think enabled us to compete more, and that enabled us to go on and get the win. So there was, listen, I totally agree regarding Tom. He, he had to go because, uh, not to sound too harsh, I felt both Hart's goals were his fault. Oh, um, they were. Tom, yeah, absolutely, yeah. He he didn't follow his man. Uh, he was ball watching, and yeah, I mean, he, I mean, he was he was at fault for it. There's no, really no two ways no, around that. that. Nobody um, can justify. He stood and, and watching it was, twice. It was a, it was a really funny um, uh, uh, comparison, actually. That I don't know if you, I don't know if you remember this or not, but see when McGregor was in goals for us, and there was a shot through goal for whatever reason. I don't I don't know why he always seemed to shout at Papa. Papa, yes. And he never ever <laughs> I don't know why right? even if it came down the opposite flank, he just for whatever reason seemed to shout at Papa. Right? He just saw all the time. And the best thing I. I, 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 I I could not believe was when uh, Tavernier started shouting at Fodringham. Yes. For a tap-in. And Fodringham was just looking at him like, what is it you expect me to do with that? Your man has got 10 or 15 yards on so It's actually the same thing in the uh, last season semi-final when, uh, who was it? Was it Roberts missed the the open goal? Yeah, it was Roberts. Uh, and Robert missed, and that's because Tavernier was nowhere near him. I mean, nowhere near him. If you were to re-watch that period of play, he is just so far away from him, it's untrue. But when you're talking about when you want to play the ball for the back and it's very nice, it's very pretty, actually being able to try and hit it up long starts to allow you to, to reshape slightly if, as I say, you've maybe been on a counter or, or whatever else as well and start to establish your lines again quite quickly. It is not a bad thing to be able to actually clear your area and give yourself you know, a few seconds to be able to regroup and, and actually understand what's going on. Personally speaking, I don't think it's a problem when, outside of Celtic, no real team should be able to try and hit us concurrently on wave after wave of attack. No. The, by hitting the ball long, actually, you should be allowing yourself to be able to try and get a breather. Um, I'm, I'm still not convinced Fodringham can play the ball short. I think he panics. I think he, he, he can look like he's struggling at times to be able to try and work into that system. So it gives him probably a wee bit of, kind of reassurance. And he made some good saves. Um, on Saturday, following him, there was a couple yeah. of really good ones um, that, that he kept. Out. He, he made a couple of decent saves against Hearts as well, actually. 
Um, but no, I, I, again, I don't think there's any problem with being able to try and play the ball up the field when you have to. I think Hill, um, Clint Hill, who was much maligned earlier in the season, is starting to look, look what he is, which is a you know very solid professional English player um, who's come up here. The legs aren't fantastically there, but now that he's fit and settled, you can see that he is a good defender. But I'd like to pick out on Saturday too much maligned players, um, and you know by me as as much as anybody else. I thought that Kiernan and uh, Joe Garner were excellent. I thought that they both had had great games. Garner, I agree with you, doesn't fit that system. Um, technically, he's he's not a good technical player, but my God, does a guy have a set of balls on him? And I think he brought a a dynamism and an earthiness to the team that we really lack and a bit of graft and a bit of devil and he got stuck right in which is something I think we lack sometimes um, it's as if we, we sometimes if they, they bring a game down to a physical level our boys I can't think of a, a polite term for this shite it um, whereas Garner was right up for a scrap and I think that that spread throughout the team yeah and and he's fearless in the air Do you mean I'm, he's I'm really convinced good in the air size yeah I'm 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 convinced Joe Garner could probably header the moon if he really tried to put his mind towards it. But um, he's 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 combative. And listen, do you know what? It's good. And I think that as you say, it's good to have a little bit of grit in there because uh, David, you and I watch Scottish football for long enough that we know that you know it's great when you're nice and you're pretty and all that kind of stuff, and you play on you know bowling green type parks. But when you go away to some of these absolute shitholes mm-hmm. and as I say, the pitch is like a bog and, you know, these guys are out to do you. Uh, you need someone there who will actually give a bit of kind of, a little bit of it back, shall we say. Yeah. And no one wants to sully the game by saying, hey, let's just get a whole load of hammer throwers because we've had, we've had plenty of that, um, you know, thrown at us before where we've had guys who have just come out to do full. People did it to Barton, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and you saw that happen. But, it's good to have someone in there who, as I say, will, will get the game by the scruff of the neck and be able to try and do it. I just feel the biggest problem with Garner is where he plays. So see if he had his attitude when he was a midfielder and he's running about the place. Halliday is kind of similar, actually, but I think Gardner's good in terms of what he does. Um, the problem being that because he's a striker, he will automatically get um, assessed on his goal. Yeah. Um, so if he's doing all of this and creating opportunities and we're converting them, for other strikers, then Grand go for it because, as you say, we don't have a lot of guys in the park who are willing to really roll up the sleeves and fight for each other. You know, uh, I think. Uh, well, speaking of that, that's a nice egg. I was really delighted to see in uh, the last minute when the Rami kicked off that our boys waded in. Um, I'm not upset at all by that. I love that. You know, wade in and then ask questions later. But if you see your teammate getting it, get in. And, and I think they were frustrated at the performance for the referee, who was shocking. I see, I hate going on about the referees, but after we've won, at least it's not sour grapes. It was just a terrible performance. He lost control of the match. His decision-making at first was erratic and then out-and-out out poor. Anything under a 70-30 he gave to... He gave to Aberdeen Unless it was 70-30 At least in Rangers' favour He was given to Aberdeen And It was just an atrocious performance In a week where Scottish refereeing Has come under the microscope Because uh, of Craig Thompson And his he's really pathetic display In the Champions League So so I get that And that's why uh, To play a little bit of devil's advocate um, I totally agree With the offside decision against Hearts Dodo's goal shouldn't have stood because it's the right decision, albeit it was incredibly late, I get that, but it's the right decision. 
However, again, um, I think on Saturday, as you saw, there was a certain element of it where when it became a little bit blood and thunder, the referee shot himself. Yes, he did. Um, and, and, he, and, he, and he just he, he couldn't control the occasion. And the thing is, though, that I mean, I know that good referees effectively are invisible. And it's a bit of a cliche in the fact that no referee wants to be the star of the show unless, obviously, your name's Graham Pohl or Mark Lambert. <laughs> or, or Craig Thompson. Or Craig Thompson. But the thing is, though, that in all seriousness, a lot of referees don't want to be, you know, the main talking point. They don't want to to do all that kind of stuff. Um, but I don't know how long we've had to suffer, you know, incompetent refereeing in Scotland. It's just it's horrendous, and even from top to bottom, I mean, it's so poor, it's ridiculous. But we have to kind of carry on and um, and kind of grin and bear it, I suppose, you know. Well, that that again feeds us nicely into our next topic with Hearts coming up again at the weekend. They have appointed a new head coach after. Robbie Nielsen moved to MK Dons. They have appointed Ian Cathro, who, um, as many of you know, we talked about him on the podcast last year. Ian Cathro is this sort of coaching prodigy. Started in the United, not a player, obviously, but started in the United, then went to Rio Ave in Portugal, then went to Valencia, uh, then he was at Newcastle recently, and, and now he's at Hart. And the reaction I, I find very interesting from parts of the Scottish media. There's been a, a, a now much... Uh, much widely quoted and derided article by Chris Boyd um, in The Sun, which was very, very dismissive. Stephen Cragen on BT, most unlike Stephen Cragen, actually, I've never seen him as head up as this, um, was almost incandescent with rage at Ian Cathro getting the job. Jamie Fullerton, uh, similarly on Radio Scotland. And the whole tone, I think, of Cathro getting the job has been... Who does this guy think he is? He's never played. And to me, I think you've seen this week, Cammy, the why Scottish football, or one of the symptoms of Scottish football being so shite and dying on its arse as it is, because I can understand just going along and doing the same thing in the status quo if the game's flourishing, but up here it's dying on its arse. It's shite. We're miles behind technically everything you want to name. Hearts do something a wee bit different, and the old guard in the media and the ex-players you know the the mafia come out and go what and again I think the fact that the Sun had to then send Robert Grieve out to write a column defending Chris Boyd's column because of the reaction it got shows you the chasm between the media in Scotland and the supporters the media have no clue up here what supporters want he actually used the phrase well would you rather have dull and uninteresting columns about tactics informations and you're like well what do you think that we talk about in the pub mate and it just, to, for me, summed up the arrogance of this is how it's done, this is how we've always done it, this is how we'll always do it. All of you fans know nothing. You never played the game. You were never a journalist. You must be an idiot and it's a closed shop. And they hate the fact that football's opening up to people like Ian Carroll, to like us, with, even with our, our stupid wee podcast. It's opening up and they can't stand that. Of course it is, but then the thing is, though, that it's, uh, I mean, you, you can hit the nail on the head there. The problem is, though, that the conversations that you used to have down the pub with your mates, you now do on Facebook and Twitter and in uh, forums and everything else as well. So it's just far more expansive, plus it's more regular. But doesn't that make it worse then, Cammy? Because there's no excuse for the media not to know what people are talking about because it's it's out there to be found as you say it's on social media it's on forums there's no reason for the disconnect except laziness and arrogance well, of course there's not but then you and I both know of so-called esteemed journalists who haven't who are supposed to report on sporting events haven't and just basically taken everything 
from social media, and that's how they've been able to then ply a trade. And don't get wrong, I mean, journalism, I think we could probably agree, sports journalism more so is dying on its arse. Um, but, the, but the problem is, though, it's so, um, but it's so spoon-fed. And I think that's the kind of point that you're making as well, is where um, I don't believe, and, and this is absolutely positive, I don't believe that the media have the same level of control uh, that they maybe had, say, even 15 or 20 years ago, where some managers lived and died by you know some of the, the the press reports that they would get as well because obviously it's so exposed now in terms of being able to try and interact with fans etc uh, the problem you've also got with this is as well as Cathro's age if Cathro was 55 year old and had been at the clubs that you've just talked about in any capacity uh, people would be like isn't it great that Scotland's able to attract that level of talent mm. and that level of experience um, and he's getting pilloried because of his age. Well, Boyd had and a snarky I, reference to that. Boyd's opening line was, you'll know I've been as excited since FIFA 17 came out. And I just thought, what? You know, I mean, have they, you seen this guy's CV? He, and he might be a dud, you don't know. But there's, Hearts haven't appointed a guy because he had good champ manager scores. But, I mean, you and I could probably spend the rest of this podcast reeling off managers who haven't had a fantastic playing career. Yep. And went on to be the best managers the world has ever seen. Yeah. And uh, and, and I think and conversely several great players who've gone on to be very poor managers. Exactly. So for example, I mean I suppose it's a bit of a tough one, but I was talking to someone the other day saying, Do you think Zinedine Zidane's a good manager? And you're like that but the problem with Zinedine Zidane is that he could put uh, all his players' names into a hat, do a raffle to pick out a first team and they'd probably still beat whoever's put in front of them. Well, so yeah. he didn't make him a great manager in terms of how he does it. It is a tough one to, but to ask him there. But, I mean, he is doing well there, though. Was it 34 no, but the, no, but the, Yeah, but the point I'm making is, though, is the fact that you potentially could go in there and work out a system and a strategy and probably do quite a good job with the talent base that you yeah, have. Yeah, fair do. And this is where, where Cathro is going to probably be hung out to drive, my opinion is. So, so hopefully, we'll beat them in Saturday. I would expect to, given the, the Aberdeen game now, and I think hopefully we've uh, had a Arsys felt a little bit in terms of the defensive frailties that, that last week showed against Hearts at Tynecastle. Um, but going forward, if he doesn't get you know really smooth, slick, attractive passing football, all of a sudden it'll be, uh, well, he hasn't learned anything whilst he's been abroad, hasn't learned anything under Benitez. See, I think, and, I think you're right, and I think that something you said earlier, I agree with when you said that the media don't have the same influence that they had before. I think you're totally right. However, I think they do have some influence uh, still in terms of creating the mood music and in terms of creating the background. And it's very clear that a lot of them are gunning for Cathro already for the crime of being a bit different. I don't think he's different. I think it's his age. Genuinely, I think it's his age. I think that's a part of it. But you've Um, already seen references to... Oh, you know, he was a bit weird and at these uh, coaching courses we were on, he kept to himself. And I thought, well, have you considered the fact that at the time he was in his early 20s, surrounded by footballers who I'm sure would all have been exchanging war stories and the guy maybe just felt a bit out of place? Or the fact that you're a dick. And that, <laughs> the fact that you're a dick. Say, yeah, I mean, probably likelihood is that I could name several footballers who wouldn't speak to you anyway, irrespective of their age. So I'm not surprised. But then, yeah, no, you're right, and I think that, like you say, uh, I think it's really, I think it's a shame when, um, if you were looking at the, the 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 national team, for example, there's a point to this where we could almost think to ourselves, could this guy be national boss one day? 
So if we want to support him and actually, you know, build on his experience and develop him, that's the most important thing. And what's really interesting, actually, when you, the, the Benitez commented, obviously, in the fact that Kappa was leaving, and he's like, he has, he has a, a responsibility to his own development. And I think that's a fantastic attitude. Mm-hmm. I mean, I manage people day-to-day role and I expect them to develop themselves I don't want them to hit a plateau where they don't want to go any further and yes he's been a number two and I get all that kind of stuff as well but then it wasn't that long ago Mike Phelan was just a number two constantly in his CV now he's managing a team in the Premiership Mm. Um, you've got formal national bosses but then then this is where if he's he's taking that step and he feels he's ready for it and he clearly does uh, Hearts isn't a small club do you know I mean it's not it's not you know a tiny tin pot club? He's actually going to cut his teeth at you know quite yeah, a decent club, level. Yeah, absolutely. But the thing is, though, that why are we not then almost encouraging that? Think about the the example that it could give to players who maybe suffered injuries in mid twenties, um, players who who might not have thought that they would have been supported going through coaching badges and then get into the potential full time managerial positions. I mean, it's a bad example, but I would use guys like Lee McCulloch, who is is going through that kind of transition into management. I would rather have guys like that who actually go and do badges, go and actually work on it, than journalists who just simply couldn't care, or former players turned journalists and pundits who couldn't care less because, you know what, working in sports scenes an easy buck. Yes. It's, it's easy peasy. Um, and it's great for them to be lofty and never having managed or you know, at any level in terms of assistant manager, coach, whatever, at a club to then sit and, and snipe at people who are actually taking a risk and doing it. Because I don't believe Cafro was under any um, misapprehensions. I think as soon as, you know, performances dry up because of him, he will be gone. I just think that, Do you know what I mean? listen, I, I don't, uh, I obviously no great love of hearts and um, I don't uh, wish them well at all normally uh, but with the exception of matches against us I genuinely do hope the guy does quite well because like I say the small mindedness and the narkiness and the self-protecting interests of the reaction to him I could get if things were going swimmingly up here but they're really not our game is, is dying slowly it's just getting worse and worse and the fact is now you have at the top three clubs uh, in Scotland progressive coaches now Warburton's stubbornness may well see him out the door we know that but not one Rangers fan that I know of would say that what the guy brought to us off the park hasn't been fantastic and if Mark Warburton fails because of results then it'll still have been a good appointment because of what he's instituted throughout the club in terms of professionalism. So no Rangers fan will say that didn't work, you know, that was a terrible decision because it clearly wasn't. Things might not go the way we want on the part, that can happen. But he did give us new ideas and drag our club in terms of coaching into the, the 21st century and we really needed that. And I just think that Hearts have tried something different, might work, might not. But the idea that they'd have been better off a point than Stephen Presley, I just find laughable. Yeah, but the, the the thing is though that that's where I and and you know by all means call me paranoid if you wish, but I think that the reaction that you're seeing to Cathro, um with his lack of experience, let's call it that, with his lack of experience in terms of other, would have been the same thing that Warburton would have got hit if he wasn't at one of the big two Glasgow clubs. Because he, he kind of did to a degree though. Remember, I mean, I remember playing. Yeah, but it was. But it was. 
it was nowhere near as bad as this. Though, no, it was nowhere near as bad as this, and I think you're right, his age, but also the fact he was coming from a managerial position. So they did have that. Um, that was a slight difference. But I still remember, you know, the, the famous Derek Ferguson comments, but there were plenty of others of, ah, they should have gone with Stuart McCall, this guy doesn't know Scottish football, all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it, it's peculiar to me because I, I just think when clubs, for example, appoint an ex-player, as a manager that's got no managerial experience, no one says anything. Whereas this guy's got coaching experience, which and I would always say coaching experience to be a coach trumps playing experience because they're different things. Um, and it's the older ego Saki quote again, isn't it? You know, I don't think you need to have been a horse to be a champion jockey. Um, but like I say, I mean, I, I hope his his debut game's a disaster. I hope that his team get hammered. But from then on in, with the exception of matches against us, I, I hope the guy does all right. So yeah, no, listen, I agree with that. But I think, as I say, the point I'm I'm making based off of Floyd Warburton is that um, it could theoretically be argued that although he wasn't in the in the in the in the top job uh, with the clubs like Valencia and Newcastle that Cathro's come from, you know, they're bigger clubs than Brentford. Oh, absolutely. So so the thing is though that what what has he really gleaned from that experience? Now, don't get it wrong. I think that a lot of people, you know, I think a lot of people would have said. Warburton coming to Rangers is a big step for him and I think he did very well in the championship in terms of being able to try and prove a lot of those naysayers wrong but there is a big part of me that actually thinks that had it had it been anyone outside Rangers or Celtic I think a lot of people would have made a lot more of his lack of football experience um, and it was obviously mentioned and stuff when they're starting to do profile and all the rest of it and I think that what you're seeing now with Cathro and that, the, the reaction to it is primarily because of his age um, but do you know what I hope I hope in 30 years see if the guy's a great success and he goes around the UK he does whatever else as well genuinely hope that in actual fact it could be someone that we could then see manage a national team with with you know a, a great degree of skill and passion because right now I couldn't think of a single Scottish manager I'd want to put in that national team right now um, but then why are we not encouraging this why are we not you know nurturing it if you want to be able to try and use that term uh, for other people to follow in his example well, you know me, Cammy. I mean, there's no bigger follower of the national team than me. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I uh, I hope they do well in whatever it is, and who, whoever the current manager is, I I sincerely wish him all the best and good luck, Scotland. And uh, I I hope you qualify for the Rose Cup or whatever, <laughs> um, that they're they're doing. Now, this podcast has always tried to keep to the lighter side of football. And even through the dark times, we've always tried with at Rangers. I feel we kind of have to touch on the allegations of sexual abuse in football because it would be an elephant in the corner if we didn't. Because we've never gone into allegations and we've, you know, we've never really touched on things that have happened in Scottish football before and I'm going to ask you to be circumspect at the moment because the thing is there's no other reaction for a right thinking person than than this needs to be investigated fully this needs to be investigated without fear with neither fear nor favour and we need to get to the bottom of it get to the bottom of why it happened punish the people responsible no matter where it was or who it was and to make sure that it never happens again and put stringent safeguards in place. And that's just the only reaction that, that's possible to these stories. So 
there's no point having a long drawn out discussion about it. And as I say, I don't want to get involved in a cheap point scoring um, argument. I never, I've never been interested in that. What I would say this week, though, that's disappointed me is the desperation to link Rangers to this. If Rangers had been involved in anything like this, incidentally, every Rangers fan I know, every single one, would say, get an investigation in, get it done, and get it out of the club, or get whoever was responsible punished, and let's make sure. And sure, we wouldn't like it, club's name being drawn through the mud and that, who would? But we would want it dealt with, 100%. There would be nothing swept under the carpet. The allegations made against uh, Gordon Neely, the former... Uh, he, he was at Rangers he made an inappropriate remark to a kid he was fired by Rangers immediately and they reported it to the police now, that's all a club can do and that's always been the root of Rangers fans problem there have been silly songs and idiots you know I, I wouldn't deny that but it's always been not that it happened we understand that you can't always prevent it but the fact that if a club tries to cover it up and I think that the desperation of the media this week to link Rangers to this when it's quite clearly in this incident and I'm not saying any you know things might not come out in the future but this incident to deflect away from what I think we all know is the real area where this has happened and in my opinion if as it looks like at the round about the same period of time you've had five of the so far of the paedophile suspected paedophiles named in these investigations have gone through one club at a, at a certain time there has to be an investigation into why that happened how it was allowed to happen who allowed it to happen and why it didn't come out and with everything that came out in 1996 about Celtic Boys Club and the fact that the media have stayed away from it was that a reason in stopping people coming forward because they realised it would just be swept under the carpet. And if so, people have got serious questions to answer, both within Scottish football and within the media. And the fact that the English FA have launched several wide-ranging investigations immediately, whereas both the Scottish Football Association and the Scottish Parliament, or the Scottish Government rather, seem very desperate to either not or to keep it very limited... I find very disappointing and very suspicious. And as I say, I'm not sitting here trying to score points off this. I'm really not. And I don't want, you know, it's it's going to be song sung or all the rest of it. But if there has been systemic child abuse within Scottish football, then no matter where the trail leads, no matter which club it passes through, it simply must be investigated fully and everything brought out. Totally, listen, I totally agree, and I think, I mean, I'm, I, I, I don't think I could say it much about myself. The problem that you have with this is um, there are far too many um, interconnected links between the SFA, the top clubs in the country, and the Parliament. And the problem that you've got with that now is... Um, no one wants to perform the action that you're that you're talking about because it almost feels no idea why, but it, I get the stench of it feels like you start to open up a can of worms, and I think that the problem with that is, and I said this in social media earlier on, the problem that you've got with that attitude is, firstly, what you're doing is you are um, disrespecting the victims. Yes. And you're not putting 
um, those victims who haven't spoken out into a safe place where they feel comfortable to do so. Right, yeah. okay, so that's point number one. And, you're that, with and people that for who... me is one of the biggest sins, that the fact that when this did come out 20 years ago, it was very much then immediately, right, okay, that's it, deal with, and the focus was often moved on, and it was not to be referred to, it was verboten in the Scottish media, you weren't to talk about it. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that the Rangers fans are, are uh, totally innocent of some of the songs that we sung, um, and I've written about this before, you know, there was, the, you know, they, they weren't very nice, but it was all, it wasn't about the abuse, it was always about what was seen as a, as a cover-up. Yeah. And, even if there was no cover-up, there needs to be an investigation to prove that. And if the idea that we cannot investigate this because we're worried about potentially damaging somebody's reputation, that's staggering. In 1996, this stuff came out. 20 years later of applied silence, and there's there's no other description for it, of deliberate silence, did that make it more difficult for victims to come forward because they felt nobody wants to talk about this um, nobody wants to hear this. I won't be believed. It'll be a waste of my time. I'll be targeted. All that stuff. People are going to have to look at their consciences here. But the fact that they've been so desperate this week within the media to link it towards Rangers, to me, screams of deflection and screams of what about it. And I find it odd. Nobody, nobody is saying that a club is responsible for a paedophile being in place, right? There may be an investigation, may prove it may be, but it can happen or could have happened back in the day. You would hope that safeguards are in place now that it couldn't. But it's always been about, well, how did you deal with it? And the way Rangers dealt with the issue that has been brought up, I think, was all they could do. Whereas if it turns out that certain other clubs didn't do that, then they are going to have to face the music. And this is way off the chart of anything that we've ever experienced in football, never mind Scottish football. This is is staggering, the, the stuff that's coming forward. The stories are heartbreaking. And simply put, no matter who you support, no matter who your hero is, no matter who you're fond of, there has to be a huge independent investigation. It has to go wherever it leads, and it doesn't matter to get justice for the victims, it doesn't matter where it goes through. And that's the same for my club too. If anything happened, then that would have to that would have to happen for Rangers. It has to happen for every club in Scotland. We have to have a purge, if you like. And there can be no more whitewashes. We need to, to get to the bottom of this and to let every victim come forward and tell their story and be listened to and get the help and the anything we can do for them that they deserve. Well, so yeah, and and the the thing is though that what you've also got to think about is is not just what has happened; it's what what potentially could happen. Now, I'm not suggesting that this is, you know, rampant through every major club and all the rest of it stuff as well. I'm not I'm not talking about that. But when I was reading about some of the some of the circumstances, I actually uh, threw me back to a few years ago when I did my refereeing course. I did an SFA refereeing course, and. Um, for anyone who's ever done it, they'll know that the, the courses themselves are quite tight in terms of timeline, etc. However, one is an absolute must-attend. You cannot pass the course unless you've attended this seminar, and it is all around child protection. And um, at that level within uh, Scottish referees, uh, they have a, a... Basically, it's like a, a protection officer, if you will. Qualified referee, but protection officer. 
Um, and you go through all of your, you know, your background checks and all that kind of stuff as well. That all gets signed off, and you have to do all that kind of thing as well. But they outline to you exactly where as a referee your parameters stand if you are coaching junior teams, even down to, you know, if a player gets an injury, what level of physical contact can you have? And the reason as to why I was reminded about it was because what I'm what I'm really scared about, and what really upsets me is this idea of. For years and years and years and years, we've all said about the kind of the real um, lack of talent that we would have been able to try and come through uh, from our youth players. We've mentioned that again as long as until the cows come home. But the problem with this is that by not having that independent inquiry, by not having that, um, you know, I suppose the best thing is to be able to try and do it is, is you know actually not doing that due diligence that that everything is. Is, as, as it should be and that retrospectively people will be uh, found out and punished accordingly irrespective of whoever they, they were employed by or whoever. The simple fact here is are we potentially putting children at risk by not doing that house cleaning exercise? Yeah. Because you do not know and I do not know and we are relatively well connected within some of the Rangers, um, you know, ins and outs, whether or not this involves Rangers. And, and as you've just said there, Potentially could. Now we would hope that it doesn't. Of course we don't. I hope that no clubs involved with it yeah, because absolutely. let's face it, this is not this is not point scoring, right? No, this, this goes this beyond is not football banter. Yeah, this is this is even everything that happened to me. This is way beyond anything to do with that. This is things that ruin people's lives forever. Yeah. And the thing is, though, that what I would want to know is that if I had a six-year-old and for whatever reason he wanted to go and play for Celtic, that. You know, any any club that he chose to go to, irrespective of my own personal preference, that he was completely safe and secure and protected at that club. And if we're now saying that, uh, and I think the latest I read from the SFA was that there's a, some sort of issue around cost. If we are currently saying we're not willing to set those protection parameters in place or even to check that they are fit for purpose, that in itself is unacceptable. Right, the boss so is the, late saying, isn't it? The, the, the problem you've got with this, as you say, is people almost feel coerced into silence. And now what we're doing is we've potentially got this future exposure that none of us know anything about that could be a risk because of the fact we don't know how, how deep this rabbit hole goes. And that is what I don't, that's what I don't understand with the bodies that you've mentioned in terms of the SFA department. This has to be completely independent. There's an element of this where I think um, – certain clubs are too far involved within the parliament and also particularly within the SFA um, that it feels almost as if it's finger pointing going on. That should not matter, which is why it has to be wholly independent um, and it has to be done you know, completely away from those bodies. With every single club, irrespective of size in Scotland, senior, junior, whatever, everyone buys into it. And, um, and, and it's, yeah. it, it's unacceptable, in my opinion, to carry on with her head in the sand, because as you say, there's there's a real victim uh, issue at the end of this. Yeah, and as I say, uh, it's it's not something that we talk about on here, you know. And I know that it's always been used in old firm, uh, for want of a better term, banter or argument, probably. And you know, it's not something to try and score points off. It really isn't. And uh, you know. We just have to hope that, that we get to the bottom of this. And as I say, it's, it's not something I'm going to spend a lot of time on in the future. It's just I felt we had to address it because 
it's too big an issue facing football to, to not at least touch on it. But those those are sort of my views, your views, Scott's views. They're everybody's views. They're the only views you can have. Let's let's get to the bottom of this and let's get it cleaned out. Okay then, folks. Uh, all that remains is for me to tell you how you can get in touch with us. Just visit us on Heart and Hand, uh, the Rangers podcast Facebook page. That's just search for it on, on Facebook. And you can also follow us on Twitter. I'm, I'm at Ibrox Rocks. Scott's at Scott Heart Hand. And Cammy is... Uh, beat that beat beat that beat uh, you can follow him and ask for pictures of his fiance. Um, he probably won't give you them yet but in about a year you know for a few quid it's, it's likely to happen uh, mm-hmm. I'd like to thank our executive producers in London Mr Mike Lee and Mr Paul Myers and to thank you Mr Cameron James Bell thank you David it's a pleasure as always my friend and uh, you the listeners thanks for listening we'll talk to you again this time next week cheers bye Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, full work limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.